The confession you are about to hear is an actual tape recording. All right. Read the statement, please. Yes, sir. I make this confession of my own free will because it is true. There has not been any force or violence used upon my person to induce me to make these statements. Talk up a little more, please. Without promise of immunity or reward or gratuity, I confess. You understand, of course, that your statement will be made public through the radio program Confession. I do. And that your name, for the purpose of this broadcast, will be Peter W. Greer. Yes. For what comfort you may find in so doing, you'll now be allowed to tell your story. If there's comfort for your listeners, it must lie in the fact that you've been apprehended. You understand all this? Yes, sir, I understand. to confession. This case history of the man referred to as Peter W. Greer is a matter of documented record. You'll hear the story of his crime experience as told in his own words. shooting if I stayed, they'd have me for a murder. I didn't know what to do. Uh, would you try, try and talk just a little slower, right into the microphone? <clears throat> Edie kept on working after we got married. She was a car hop in a driving. Me, I worked in a garage. We thought between both of us we'd be able to save some money. Where, uh, were you living at the time? I met her in, in Phoenix. That's where I lived. After we got married, we moved to San Francisco. I never thought I'd marry anyone as beautiful as Edie. One, one night, I went to the drive-in to take Edie home from work. She was standing talking to this... <coughs> this tall, good-looking guy when I drove up. I had a 41 Chevy then. meet a friend of mine, Tony Adams. This is Pete. Hi, Pete. Glad to know you. I've got to get something out of my locker. Be back in a minute. So you're Edie's husband? Yeah, that's right. Funny to think of Edie being married. You known her a long time? Oh, a couple of years. Swell kid. Uh-huh. Had a crush on her once myself. You live in Frisco? Off and on. My work takes me out of town a lot. Well, what kind of work do you do? I'm, uh... Salesman. And what do you sell? Ask Edie, you know. Where's my package? Under my coat. Better get in the car. I felt plenty nervous knowing it was in my locker, Tony. You're a swell kid. Thanks. What's all the mystery about? Just an old shoebox. What's in it? He wants to know what line of work I'm in, Edie. I'll cut it out, Tony. Tony tells me he knows you a couple of years, he? I met him when I worked in Fort Worth. <laughs> I think the boy's jealous. Tony heard I was in Frisco and he looked me up. 
And now I'm leaving town, so you got nothing to worry about. Tony, if you don't mind, we're going someplace. Okay, sure. Bye, Tony. Nice seeing you again. Yeah, thanks again, Edie, and uh, good luck on your being married and all that. Thanks. So long, Pete. Keep changing them tires. No, I don't like him. I don't like the way he looked at you. You're jealous, aren't you? I guess so. Just because I bump into an old friend? I had lots of friends before I met you. I don't know why. It kind of scared me. Scared you? Why? Like if he wanted, he could take you away from me. That's how he acted. Oh, Pete, you're crazy. What was in the package, Edie? I don't know. You said it made you nervous to have it in your locker. Forget it, Pete. I got an awful headache. You do know. Now, what was in it? I said forget it. Next day, I found out what was in that package. The morning paper told all about a liquor store that had been held up. The description fit Tony to a T. It even said about the money being stuffed into an old shoebox. They called him the shoebox bandit. I was pretty upset about Edie knowing him, hiding it for him. That night, we were having a couple of drinks in a bar. The man was around for the rent today, Pete. I stalled him till next week. He didn't like it. There just doesn't seem to be enough money to go around. You eat about that package you kept for Tony last night. What about it? You had a pretty good idea what was in it, didn't you? What do you mean? You knew he was a hold-up guy. It was in the paper today. You knew that box had stolen money in it or a gun. You knew not, didn't you? I didn't look in it. He's an old friend. He asked me to do him a favor. What's he mean to you? You take a chance like that. Nothing. It was just a favor. We could have gotten ourselves into a mess, maybe gone to jail. What's the difference? It's all over. I didn't even know you knew guys like him. I guess there's a lot we didn't know about each other. Pete, I'd like another drink. You better not. I won't have lunch money if we do. All right. Edie? What? When we have kids, I want them to have a decent home, a respectable one. You sure use that word respectable a lot. It's what you want, too, isn't it? I wouldn't have married you if I didn't. You used to go out with Tony Adams? I don't want to talk about him. Come to think of it, I hardly know anything about him. We're married. We got an apartment on Sutter Street. We love each other. What else is there to know? I guess you're right. Well, things went along all right for a while. We were broke all the time, but I didn't mind. Every time we had a few bucks, Edie'd buy something on the installment plan. I guess we had a few quarrels about money like most married people, but we made up afterwards and I forgot about it. I thought Edie did too. But I found out different. One day I was doing a brake reline job and somebody came over. It was Tony Adams. Hello, Pete. Oh, hi. When did you get back in town? Last week. How'd you find out where I work? Edie told me. Edie? I called her up. Didn't you tell you? No. I probably forgot. Yeah. You know, look, my boss don't go for these social calls. This isn't a social call. I don't get you. Edie tells me you could use some money. She didn't sound too happy about always being hard up. She tell you that? I thought maybe you'd like to pick up some extra cash. Doing what? It's good to know someone who works in a garage like this. I guess I'm dumb. I don't understand. It'd be easy for you to get me a car overnight. 
Oh, that's not for me. Sometimes I can use a man who can handle a car real good. Maybe I'm not making much money, but the cops aren't looking for me. It's a take-old say that counts, kid. Not how you get it. You leave me and Edie alone, huh? We'll be okay. An old friend of the family like me? I'm staying at the Drummond Hotel. If you change your mind... I was pretty upset about Edie sounding off to Tony about us being broke. Another thing, Edie hadn't even told me that she'd talked to him since he got back to town. When I got home that night, I didn't say much until I finished supper. The collector was around for the payment on the stove and fridge. I'll look after him on payday. Every time the doorbell rings, it's another collector. Yeah, maybe if we didn't buy so many things all at oh, once, maybe huh? if you had yourself a real job. Yeah, like Tony. What's chewing you about Tony? He came to see me at the shop today. That nut. Told him not to bother you. How come you didn't tell me he called? I don't know. It just slipped my mind. Maybe you didn't want me to know. Oh, huh? stop that. Well, I don't want him around here. I don't like him. I... I'm afraid of him. Afraid of him? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if I got myself a husband or a kid. It was right after that something happened. I forgot all about Tony Adams. Edie got pregnant. I had the feeling that this was going to be the answer to everything. With a baby, we'd be a family. I'd never have to worry about losing Edie. I guess that worry had always been in the back of my mind. Well, anyway, Edie had a tough time from the beginning. She was pretty sick. The doctor put her on a special diet and made me get her a lot of medicine and stuff. It cost a mint. In a little while, I was getting a pretty bad mess. We fell away behind on our payments. One night I came home. Edie was in bed. Hello, honey. How you feel? Not very good. You been crying? I guess so. You want me to call the doctor? It's not that. What then? It's the things that keep going around in my mind. Well, what things? Oh, being in bed all the time. Sometimes I get to thinking, maybe I'll die. Oh, cut it out. No. Happens, you know. You know the doc said you'd be fine. And if I try to take my mind off of that, I get to worrying about money. Looks like we owe everybody money. I asked for overtime. Maybe that'll help, huh? Sometimes I lie here and I want to laugh. What about? I think to myself, is this what being respectable means? Bill collectors at the door all the time. I'll get it squared away. You watch. And friends. I've got no friends now. I always had friends. Maybe they were guys like Tony, but they were friends. Uh, you know, we're better off without them, me. I don't know. If it was Tony, he'd come up with the money, all right. Yeah, I guess you've always wished I was like Tony, huh? I married you because you weren't like him. Now I don't know. Maybe it's not too late. It's not you that's wrong, Pete. It's me. Maybe, maybe I don't belong here. Tony said I should call him if I needed some money in a hurry. You're talking crazy, Pete. After the baby comes, everything will work out swell. Huh? They won't even let me into the hospital unless we have the money. That's how they are now. I'll have the money by then. You say that all the time. Sometimes I wish you did have the nerve to... 
To what? Nothing. To get the money the way Tony does? Forget it. I don't feel good. I don't know what I'm saying. You want me to look up, Tony? Do you? You are listening to Confessions. Before continuing with the documented record of the young man referred to as Peter W. Greer... The National Broadcasting Company is honored to present Mr. Richard A. McGee, Director of Corrections, Department of Corrections, State of California. Mr. McGee. In the case we are hearing tonight, emotional immaturity and acute mental stress are combining to create a fertile field for criminal acts in a place where normally crime might never have grown. Unfortunately, many criminals in our institutions are the victims of just such mental and emotional adolescence. Under normal circumstances, time would help them to grow up into properly adjusted personalities. Improperly influenced, however, they are inclined to weaken to wrongdoing. Here is a young man being led into acts which instinctively he fears and hates because he is afraid to lose the approval of the woman he loves. What he does not realize is that the acts he is about to commit must ultimately destroy the very happiness and security he is striving to achieve. Thank you, Mr. McGee. Now to continue with confessions and the documented record of the man referred to as Peter W. Greer. some money from the <clears throat> from the finance company for the hospital bill and other stuff, the funeral and all that, you know. Sure. The doctor said Edie was a sick girl that she had to be treated like an invalid for about three months. Well, when Edie got home from the hospital, she was a different girl. I didn't know what to make of her. Everything I did was wrong. I remember I got home from work one night. She wasn't home. You get home till about nine o'clock. Where you been, Edie? I've been half crazy worrying about you. I was out looking for a job. A job? Doc said you can't go out for another two months. Somebody's got to bring some money into the house. You can't. Now, listen, honey. I've been listening a long time. Did you look at today's mail? No. Well, look at it. Two outfits taking us to court. You and your being respectable. I'll get it. Hello? Well, look who's in town. Who is it? Have you been? Who is it? Just a minute. It's Tony. Tony's back in town. 
I didn't see Tony for about a month after he hit town. In the meantime, things are getting pretty rough between Edie and me. The loan company had slapped an $8 a week garnishment on my wages. I had to tell Edie about it. She hit the ceiling. She talked about leaving me. I was afraid she would if something didn't happen real quick. About some money, I mean. I thought about getting in touch with Tony. And he saved me the trouble. One morning, I came out for my coffee break. He was waiting for me. Pete, I want to talk to you. About what? I need some money. Yeah, I need some worse than you do. I know. Edie's been telling me how it is. You talk to her more than I do, Tony. Just on the telephone. I need a stake so I can get out of town. I'm hot in a firecracker here. I got no money. You know that. Maybe I can help you get some money, Pete. Between the both of us. Yeah, I've even been thinking of that. I just don't have the nerve. You'd be surprised how much nerve you got when you need it. Not me. Figured out four or five soft touches over in Oakland. What would I have to do? Hot cars are dynamite in this town. I don't get you. You could get a car off the garage lot. One that's parked here overnight. No stolen car report. Get it? Is that all I have to do, get you a car? No. I want you to drive it for me. I'm afraid. Two hours work? thousand bucks a piece, maybe. No, I can't do it. Tonight's a perfect night. Why tonight? Paper says rain. What do you say? I don't know. I'll be in front of the St. Francis Hotel, 8 o'clock. Get a car, pick me up. I'll think about it. I'll be waiting for you. 8 o'clock. I remember I was in a daze the rest of that day, huh? All I could think of was bringing Edie home $1,000. Even then, I might not have done it if it wasn't so easy to take a car off the lot. Before I really knew what I was doing, I'd picked Tony up and we'd driven across the bridge to Oakland. It was raining hard. Turn off here. Here. This is for you. What's the matter? You never seen a gun before? Look. You scared? Plenty. Guys like you get trigger happy. Watch it. Stop here. In front of that restaurant. Now, this guy's a pushover. Just walk into the restaurant like I told you. Me? I knocked him over once. He'd recognize me. Oh, I, I can't do that. I thought you needed some money pretty bad. I do. Go in and take this guy or it's all off. And drive back to Frisco, Pete. You know, I'll go. Yes, sir? Right. Um, give me a pack of cigarettes. What brand? Any, any brand. Yeah. Miserable night. Don't even know why I'm staying open. Bucks on it. All right. Fifty. Sixty. Seventy. What? Yeah. Something wrong with you, son? I'm all right. Huh. Here's your change. Maybe a cup of coffee. On the house. Y you look sick. I don't want any coffee. Oh, but I don't want any coffee, Jeremy. 
All right, son. Nothing to get mad about. I'm sorry. Well, anything else? No, that's all. Thanks. Well, good night. Good night. Why did it take you so long, Pete? It was like my feet were glued to the floor. I couldn't move. How much you got? Nothing. What do you mean, nothing? I couldn't do it. My hand, my gun in the pocket, it was shaking so bad I could have pulled the trigger without knowing it. I didn't want to kill him. You're about as yellow as they come, Pete. Well, I'm no good at this. Next spot, we'll go in together. I'll show you how it's done. I'm not quitting now. We drove to a gas station on San Pablo Avenue. We pulled up to a pump and Tony told the man to fill it up. Then he got out of the car and shoved his gun in the man's back and steered him into the office. A couple of minutes later, he ran out. We pulled away in a hurry. He'd taken $142. He gave me half of it. How do you feel now, Pete? <laughs> so, so fast, I couldn't believe it. What did he say when you took him into the office? Careful, mister. Don't hurt me. I'll give you the money. All I got. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> what time is it? Oh, uh, ten. We better get moving. I got a big date at one o'clock. With a friend of yours. Friend of mine. I was only kidding. Okay, Pete, pull into this next station. Back to work. This time, Tony sat in the car and I did the job. I was scared, but the guy was even more scared than I was. He forked over $78 before I even had a chance to ask for it. From there, we knocked over a liquor store on Foothill. Tony was really wound up now. We pulled another job on an all-night garage. Then we'd stop and got something to eat. One more and we're through. This is the big one. It's past 12. Edie will be wondering. You getting butterflies again? I had enough, Tony. I thought I had you cured. No use pushing the luck too much. Look, I got 365 bucks now. This will help us out a lot. Oh, come on. Little Edie needs a bigger bankroll than that. I was scared all over again, but Tony, he left it off. We stopped the car across the street from a liquor store. This was a big one on a busy street. Peralta Street, I think. We work this together. I don't like the looks of this one. You hold him, I'll go in the back of the store. Make sure no one's there. Sometimes they plant a guy in the back of the store with a gun. Let's quit now, Tony. Come on. How will it be, fellas? Bottle of Green Bay Scotch. You got it, Pete. Uh, just a minute, mister. Where do you think you're going? You tell him, Pete. We want all the money you got. Uh, quit your fooling, kid. Gun look like I'm fooled. I think you're more scared of it than I am. Okay, back there. Turn him around, Tony. His back pocket. Now wait a minute. You're right, kid. A nice little 32 for my collection. Make it quick, Tony. There's a lot of traffic out there. Cover me at the door. I'll look after this joker. Tony, cruiser car just passed. I think they looked in here. Hurry up with that money, Mister. Quit stalling. Hurry up, Let's huh? I'm telling you, they saw us. Open her up. We've got to outrun them. Faster. 
There's another one coming toward us. They're blocking us off. Turn down the next street. I can't. I'm going too fast. Turn, I said. Turn. I don't know how we got out of the wreck alive, but we did. I heard the cops running toward us. Tony, he got like some wild animal. He started shooting at him. I just ran. I got to Maritime Street and a guy in a half-ton pickup stopped and asked me if I wanted to lift. He was going over the bridge to Frisco. I got off at Market Street and took a cab home. I knew the cops would get me. They'd check on the car and they'd know, but I figured sure I'd have enough time to get home and give Edie the money. I was shaking so bad I could hardly climb the stairs to my apartment. Put up your hands. All right. Keep them up, police officers. Turn around. Where's the gun? Where's my wife? Edie? Oh, tossed it away. Oh, we'll find it. Hmm. Quite a bankroll. It's my wife. Give it to me. You can put your hands down now. Thought I'd have enough time to see Edie. You might have it that if your partner hadn't told us where you lived. My partner? Sure. I guess he didn't want you getting away with anything as long as he couldn't. Some guys are like that. You mean he squealed? You can call it that. He told us about you just before he died. He... He dead? Let's go. Where's Edie? I gotta see her. She's not here. She left a note for you. Oh, let me see it, please. I'd better read it to you. You're right, it's funny. Uh, Pete, it says, I'm checking out. We're wrong for each other. Maybe if the baby lived, but he didn't. You'll find out about it sooner or later, so I'll tell you myself. I'm going away with Tony. Tony? <laughs> with Tony? What's so hilarious? <laughs> you get it? Tony Adams. My partner. <laughs> the guy who got killed. You have just heard an actual confession. This case history of the man referred to as Peter W. Greer is a matter of documented record. To protect the legal rights of this man, names and places were changed or deleted. Technical advice for confession comes from the office of the Director of Corrections, Department of Corrections, State of California. In a moment, you will again hear Peter W. Greer. Subject found guilty, armed robbery, five counts. Sentence, five to life, CC. Committed to the custody of the Director of Corrections to be dealt with according to law. And assigned, California State Prison, Soledad. Psychiatrist's report, emotionally immature, passive dependent personality. Recommendation, occupational and group therapy. Sociologist's report, subject cooperative, responding well to institutional treatment. Work assigned, motor vehicle maintenance, highly satisfactory. Possibility for success on parole, good. Now again, Peter W. Greer. Well, that's the way it was, as near as I can remember. At first, I 
has been Confession, transcribed statements of actual crimes. These true tragedies are brought to you each week as an NBC Radio Network production in an effort to stem the nation's forward march of crime. Credit for this broadcast goes to our cast. Paul Fries, Eddie Firestone, Gloria Grant, John Crawford, Jack Moyles. Script, Lou Russoff. Music, Michael Samogi. Script supervision, Warren Lewis. Direction, Homer Canfield. Confession, a Canfield-Lewis creation, came to you from California. John Wall speaking. Transcribe. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.